This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hello, More Than Workers. How are you all today? I'm hoping everyone's doing well. We are back. Bethany is good. We're back with another episode of More Than Work podcast with just me and Bethany. Yeah. It's episode two of just Bethany and I, our team is stretched thin and apparently Bethany and I can make it work. So we're making it work. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. But we're bringing a good topic today. Something that I think both of us feel passionately about and have experienced ourselves. So we're going to talk through imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and I hope that most people know what that is by now, but if not, I'm just going to give a brief overview of it. Imposter syndrome is a very specific form of self-doubt. It's not listed in like the DSM by psychologists, but most psychologists do believe that it is very real and it happens to a lot of people. The statistics say that somewhere up to 84% experience imposter syndrome. And what it is, it's, it's this feeling of inadequacy and fraud in whatever you're doing. They also say that it disproportionately affects high achievers. So if you're a perfectionist and a high achiever, you have definitely likely felt this imposter syndrome. And it also disproportionately affects women. So we're going to talk through what imposter syndrome looks like, what it feels like, and some tactics to kind of get past it today. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So Bethany... What have you seen with this? Have you experienced it yourself? Do you see this in coaching? Like what is your experience around this very strange phenomena? Yeah, it's so interesting because I think imposter syndrome, it literally is something that you, like you just noted, so many people experience and yet it makes you feel like you are literally the only person who has felt that way ever. Like, yeah. You know, and I think that's really interesting. It's a very isolating kind of syndrome or like phenomenon, but the fact is that so many people experience it. So yes, I have felt imposter syndrome, syndrome, absolutely. I've talked about it before, specifically even, I think it's, it's, you know, and I think I've, I've attributed to it, it to being maybe like at the beginning of my career, young in my career, or just like entering into a new environment or something like that. And so, you know, there was some of that, that I felt probably like right out of college, starting to work with certain clients um, at my first job and thinking like, I'm working with this entrepreneur or this president and CEO of this organization. And I just graduated college. And so (laughs) they're going to think I'm dumb. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that, you know, I think there's that, but then there's also like when I first you know, just being vulnerable. And I think we sort of talked about this on a couple of uh, episodes ago on the podcast is whenever I even first started with people centric, just to be very open and vulnerable about that, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so glad they want to hire me. But like, like, what if they find out? Like, why? (laughs) Like, Why do they want to hire me? That's amazing. And also, what did I do to trick them into hiring me? <laughs> what if they find out that I know nothing? Yeah, like that's the, that fear for sure existed. And I think sometimes I still feel it like it's, I've definitely 
it's gotten better. I've grown in some confidence there, but I have also, I'll still experience it depending on what the room is that I'm in. You know, sometimes I've experienced that with like certain boards that I've, you know, jumped into those meetings and, and we're kind of helping and working with a board or, you know, a really intelligent and like sophisticated executive team at a, at a, you know, at an organization. Sometimes, sometimes it, it'll just pop up there and, and I think I'll start lacking some confidence and things like that. And so that's me being really honest, but absolutely. Yeah. I feel it. And then, and then, but what's so interesting too, is whenever I'm, you know, coaching, cause I do a lot of coaching with clients and I tend, I, I was going to say, I tend to coach more women, but I guess that's probably not true. I haven't looked at that, the numbers yeah. there, but, um, but when I have coached individuals, it's primarily women that mm-hmm. I am coaching that, that struggle with this. And they're like, killing it honestly most of them are like they're just like killing it in their career and they're like oh but I'm like I'm the only woman in this organization or I'm really young in this position and like so I just stay quiet in meetings even though like their track record to that point is like amazing yeah Um, and they have no reason they have a lot of experience and knowledge to share and so we talk through that a lot it's so it's so interesting and it it comes up all the time. Yeah. I think one of the things I said early in my career was like, oh, I was in the right place at the right time. You know, and one of my mentors pointed out and said to me, like, quit saying that you were qualified. You had the right skill set. You were smart. You went after it. You're driven. Like, Mm -hmm. is it some luck? Sure. Maybe, but like to keep going, you have to have the skills. You have to have the knowledge And you have to have the ability to like make it happen. So quit underestimating yourself and quit undercutting yourself and saying things like I I lucked into it or I stumbled into it because that's not true. We sometimes do. We have this sort of self, we make these like self-deprecating comments and like, don't even like think about it. I think it's like, we think that that will help make up for what we feel as as lack of credibility, which is not true. Like it just makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I remember even like, I I remember going to a meeting with a group, like a training or something. And I, and I think I even referred to, like, I said to the whole group, like, you guys are probably, you, you're a lot smarter than me, which is like, you know, people say things like that, but, sure. but I, but I got feedback after that meeting from, from my boss that was just like, like, don't, you don't need to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that. You're selling don't yourself short. Yeah. They don't know that. They think you're just as smart as them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you are, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wanted to share a few statistics that I found on imposter syndrome just to kind yeah. of help give the scope of this syndrome phenomena, whatever. So I was reading it's they say it's really hard to get a good number on how many people experience imposter syndrome because it is one of the things that people try to hide. It's a, I don't feel confident. And so I'm just going to hide the fact that I don't feel confident. And so it's hard to get a number on how many people actually have experienced this, but they say as high as up to 84% of people, it's like a huge number of individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the surveys said that 75% of female executives have experienced it. 53% of young female professionals between the ages of 25 to 34 have experienced it. 
And it also said that 85% of people don't talk about it at work. Like they just have not shared. They have not said, this is what's going on with me. And then since we're consultants and we do this a lot, I found it fascinating that less than 5% of employers directly address this with their employees. So, so many people are experiencing it, but no one's really talking about it, Mm. which I thought was really interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think we sort of view it, it's sort of viewed often as just like a, just get over it. It's just a personal problem. Just like, totally. Yeah. (laughs) So I was sort of asking you before the podcast, like, how do you recognize this in others? And you had a good point that I think you should point out because, because it is so hidden. How do you think we could kind of recognize this in others and, and try to help if we see it? Yeah, I think for me, it's there, there's, if you're acknowledged, if you're, you might see it show up as just a hesitation to pursue an opportunity within your work. So I know I felt that way before where, you know, somebody, my boss or somebody is saying like, Hey, I want you to work on this thing. Or I think that you could, can you take this thing on? And me sort of internally feeling like I, I, I could, I, I want to, are you sure that you trust me to do that? And like, if so, why? And what if I <laughs> mess up and yeah. I don't have all of this, like, I don't, I'm not sure of all the steps to take, but I'm going to, but I, but I'll figure it out, you know? Yeah. And so I think yeah. it shows up as like a hesitancy sometimes in your staff where being on the flip side, if you're a manager, you might look at that and think like, why is this person keep like, they're not taking on projects or they're not doing stuff that I'm asking them to. They just don't want to do it. And I don't think that's always, I don't know if it's that they always don't want to do it. I think sometimes it's just like a lack of self-confidence. It's that imposter syndrome sometimes showing up with that. Or a fear of failure, a fear fear of actual failure. Yeah. I've actually like, what if I do mess it up and then I reveal myself and then it's like, oh no, they know that, that I am an imposter because I didn't execute on this perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I think is sort of that like self-deprecating talk or mm-hmm. that, you know, the, those moments where you hear someone say something like, I'm not as smart as you, or I, I stumbled into this right place, right time. I'm very lucky. You know, I yep. think some of those self-deprecating things would be maybe a key of, yeah. oh, this person doesn't realize that they're actually very valued in this position or role or or they're killing it and what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think since so many people experience this, maybe we should talk about how to not, how to feel better about it and how to kind of get past it. And I think it's important to say that I've experienced it, but I continue to, right? I don't, I know all the signs and I've thought about this a lot. And there are still moments I've been in uh, people centric for a decade. I feel like I know this job inside and out. And there are still moments where I walk into a situation and I'm like, oh no, they're going to see that I don't know anything and I should not be here right now. And where's Don? Like, let's, that guy needs to be here, not me. When really, (laughs) he is very smart. But when really I'm fully capable of handling the situation, I just have to like get past that fear and that feeling of inadequacy, you know? Yeah, and so how do we do yeah. that? Yeah. And it was, well, it was funny because before we started recording, we were joking about how, you know, we've, we've seen this show up in certain situations where we, we might be hearing somebody talk. And again, 
this is just a statistic. This is not just me saying this, but it's this does imposter syndrome does impact men. Or I mean, sorry, women more than men, at least I, I'm guessing this is self-reporting. And so I so as far as statistics go, that is true that women are experiencing this more frequently, but but me and, me and Diana have said like there have both we have both been in situations where there may have been a maybe male executive talking about something and we were both like I I have no idea what what he just said I don't understand what yes he said. and yes. thinking right like and thinking gosh me we must just not we just must not be very smart or intelligent about what he was talking about so we're gonna like like Diana, I think you said, like I, I wrote I down like diligently, details. like very specific notes so that I could go back and say, what is this man talking about? Like yeah. it was so far over my head and I should mention I am qualified. I have my master's in business. Like I, I know a lot. I've been doing this a long time, but man, sometimes like in that very specific situation, he was saying things that I was like, I don't, I don't understand what he's talking about. This guy is clearly way smarter than me. Yeah. And so we've both been in those situations. And then we realized later we like got out of the room and we were talking about it maybe as a team or like with one of our other, one of our other, you know, coworkers or something. And we realized like they had no idea what they were talking about too. And in fact, other people in the room in separate conversations, we would hear they don't, they don't know what he was saying either, but everybody was nodding their head and like, okay, yes. yeah. Oh yeah. We're with you. We're with you, but nobody knew what was happening. And so we automatically all start taking that on as like, we just must be really dumb. And we yeah. don't yeah. know what's going on when that that's probably not true. Yeah. Actually. When in reality, he was being very unclear and we should have called it out, like, and should have said, no one knows what you're talking about right now. What can you rephrase what you're trying to say yeah yeah so I mean that may be one of those the like one of the things to leading into the next like how do you kind of overcome that one I think it's it's that I think it's being willing and open to say ask the question and say I'm sorry I don't I'm not understanding or I'm not following the conversation right now could you explain this a little bit more and that feels very uncomfortable to do so awkward it feels so awkward it does, but it's, but the, but chances are, you're probably not the only one who's wondering <laughs> what the That's other person is talking about, or they don't understand the concept of, of something or whatever. And so, so it's nobody, if nobody raises their hand, then nothing, there's no, it's not going to be productive. So, yeah. And I've started asking the question of like, can you give me an example of what you're talking about? So mm-hmm. that, cause I think most people do learn through stories and examples and it kind of helps people solidify concepts in their mind. And, and by asking it that way, it's not, it doesn't sound like you don't understand. It just sounds like you need further clarification to solidify it in your brain. So I figured out a way to not feel dumb (laughs) when asking the question. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, I think Diana, like I've learned a lot from you because I do see you are very knowledgeable and you have lots of experience Thank and you. I respect like, I respect you in, in your career and, and all of the things that you know. And so whenever I think that it, like, it's been good for me to see you in situations like raise your hand and ask the question of, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not, I'm not understanding. Could you give me an example or whatever? That's helped be, give me some freedom too to be like, oh, I 
can do that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think like you were saying, most people, most people are wondering it too. We're just not all bringing it together. You're just Mm -hmm. not bringing it, you know, because you have that, you have that fear of failure. And so it's just stuck there and you don't want to look dumb and you don't want to look inadequate. And so you just don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. We did talk about too. We, I think we sort of talked about this maybe offline more, but we were talking about just, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but just like socialization and how that's impacted us a little bit too. And maybe why that happens with women and men of just like the, like women don't want to be the way that our culture has set it up is like, women don't want to be seen as like too much of anything. Like that's really like looked down upon. So we are very, constantly like refrain from, from going too far one, one way or the other. And and I think, and this is a generalization. So I know this is not true of all people, but in general, I think, I think men are expected to just be really confident and like own every situation. If, even if you don't, even if you don't know what you're talking about, the like fake it till you make it kind of mentality. There is this art or this quote really quick. I was going to share by, I think you say this Bertrand Russell, Um, but the quote is the whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves and wiser people. So full of doubts, which you don't, I think everybody can hear that quote and think like, oh yeah. Like how many, how many celebrities do we know that are just like, so certain and so self-confident about themselves and have very little knowledge about like what's actually going on in the world. I'll be totally honest. Even myself, when I was younger, I was so I was like, I got this. I'm trained. I went to college. I am smart. I am driven. I am capable. And then the world smacked me across the face a few times. I landed in some mud a couple of times. And the more I learned, the more I realized like how much I didn't know, the more the imposter syndrome crept in. Yeah. Right. Cause I was when I was younger, I was like, I'm full. I got this. And then as I learned like, oh my gosh, I don't got this. Yeah. The imposter syndrome became worse for me because it was like, oh, you don't, you don't actually know anything, right? Like uh-huh. you, there is a lot of situations that you would totally fall on your face. Um, yep. And so I think even I'll be even more honest, like during the pandemic, right before I kind of was like, okay, we're killing it. I got this. I'm in a groove. And then the pandemic started and I was like, I have to reframe everything that I thought I knew. I don't know any, I, I honestly don't know. I have to re retrain my brain. And so I think in those moments of uncertainty, those are the, those are the times when I feel stuff even harder. It's like, oh, geez, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I, even though intuitively I do think that I'm capable of figuring it out, I still have that huge amount of doubt of like, I shouldn't be in this position. I shouldn't be in this role. This is over my head. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's really interesting. And then uh, there is, I mean, I think you can, there's like evidence of, of very highly achieving successful people who have felt, felt this sort of these same thoughts and feelings. There was like a couple, and again, this is in that book that I shared like two episodes ago, I think on like our book recommendation. So it's the secret thoughts of successful women. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and they, it listed like a few examples of this. There was, I think it was the Joyce Roche. She's the former president and CEO of Girls Inc. And so she was like with like Revlon and, uh, Avon and stuff like that. And she said, she like remembers thinking somewhere deep inside, you don't believe what they say. You think it's a matter of time before you stumble and they discover the truth. You're not supposed to be here. We knew you couldn't do it. We should have never taken a chance on you. So there's like these like very successful person. There's some other, they list some other people too, that are, that have just kind of voiced those same things of like, they were top level executives in their position. They were very high quality, you know, had, yeah very qualified and still feel that way too. And it's just kind of interesting. So, yeah. And I, I think, I think that men do experience it. I have coached men who have experienced it, but I do think it's less prevalent for them. And I think it's more situational, at least the, the men that I have coached when I have seen it, it's, I recently coached a guy who was changing positions Mm -hmm. and moving to a different company. And it was like a similar position, but a different company. And he just sort of said, like, I think I was better at my old job because I grew up there and I knew everyone and I knew the I knew the environment and I'm I'm just I'm not suited to do this job. I was only good at it there. And I had to remind him, like, you're doing all the right things. You're you haven't mm-hmm. failed at all. You haven't failed at anything. So, like, why do you feel like you are? Because no one has said that you have and no one has called you out for anything. This is a you're thinking this in your own mind. And so he kind of was like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I just feel overwhelmed. And I just feel like this is harder than it should be. And I was like, well, that's because you're learning something new, you know, but it doesn't mean you're not capable of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, it's interesting, like with the, with the statistics that you shared of like, it's, you know, it's, predominantly women. And I wonder how much of that is because I'm, like I said before, I think it's, it's probably sort of, um, um, what's the word like self-selective, like they're, they're, they're saying like, I do have imposter syndrome, not that somebody else looked at them and said, oh, they have imposter syndrome. So, so I'm wondering if like men are less likely to even report that they Mm -hmm. have imposter syndrome because it feels less masculine <laughs> oh yeah yeah I can see what that. I mean yeah I see that for sure so, like it's there but it's not maybe they don't maybe they're even more or less you know even less likely to talk about it who knows yeah yeah I think that's true and I think it's there is those pressures on men in general to not show those cracks and those like that like yeah. inadequacy to not show it and not see it and not reflect on it you know yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so asking questions, I like that. Like ask the questions, yep. get get the answers. What are some other things that we could do to like get past it? Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I was thinking about is like have a partner, have somebody who knows your strengths. And so making sure that you, you know, whether that's your boss or a coworker or somebody outside of your organization, like, have somebody who really understands like what you're really good at and continues to to helps highlight those things for you, especially when you start to feel some of that imposter syndrome and and somebody that you can tell that to, to say, I'm feeling like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm lacking some confidence in this for some reason. And somebody who can help encourage you and say like, why? Like, here's all of the things you're good at. And then if you're still feeling 
you know, a lack of confidence in here? Like, what can you do to improve that? Like, is there something else you need to learn about and pursue or get more information on or whatever it might be that can kind of help process through that with you and just help remember, help you remember like the things that you're good at. Yeah. I like that one. I like that a lot. I think our team is good at helping each other see our strengths. Mm -hmm. And I, I always encourage people to see the strengths in others and tell them, because I think we don't do enough of the, like, tell them. So if you're in a meeting with someone and you think that they've done a great job, go to them. Coworkers love that feedback. People like to know when they're doing good. And I think if you can do more of that with the people you work with, the better, like, that's so cool. I love that. Do you have one? Yeah, I think, cause I, you know, like I said, I do this, I go through this. Mm -hmm. I think one of my biggest ones is my mentor once told me like, comparison is the thief of joy. Like quit comparing yourself to others, quit comparing yourself to like this weird idea that you had in your mind of what it was going to be like. Quit having these really high expectations that you feel like you're not meeting. Quit comparing. And when she said that to me, I was like, no, I don't feel like I do that. And she was like, you literally just said by the time you were 35, you thought you would be here. You're comparing your current situation to a a false one. Or you look at someone like Steve Jobs and you're like, well, I'm not Steve Jobs. Well, nobody is. There's like three Steve Jobses in the entire world, right? Like breathe. You don't have to be Steve Jobs. Um, I like that. That's why. And I think that's why I liked, you know, that again, I'm referring to the two, two podcasts ago, but when we were talking about the, uh, plucking up podcast that I liked or that, Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah. Yeah. Because I, because I think that it was, it's been good for me and in the same way that it's like, oh, I need to hear other stories of people who didn't, didn't just like strike gold right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like, this is so silly, Diana, but I'm like, I love, I love Chip and Joanna Gaines from, (laughs) I know you do. I know you do. I know. So I I feel anyways, they're great. I know I feel cheesy about that. Like, don't make fun of me. So So I really like them. And I, and I remember, like, I read their, the book, I can't remember what it's called, the book that they wrote together. Yeah, I can't remember. It's, you about, their, it's about their story yeah. and how they, like, got started and just, like, their, just their whole story of their building their, their, basically their empire at this point. And because you look at them and you're like, oh, they were just, like, ordinary people and they, like, grew to stardom and they just, like, are so successful and look at what they did. And, you know, Joanna was not not specifically trained in this thing, but she's like amazing at it. Yeah. Um, wow. That's incredible. And it's easy to like, look at, it's so silly, but we all do that. Right. Like we find people like that, that we're like, wow, like how did they do that? And why did we, why did we not get that as well? And it was good for me to just read their book, honestly, and hear the story and be like, Oh, first of all, like there was a lot of ups and downs. It wasn't Mm -hmm. all great. And two, like, how old were they when they actually like hit the peak of their career, you know, like the peak of their career, like you're not, not 25 when that happens. No. Yeah. Um, So it's like so good to hear those stories in the same way of like, we, we compare ourselves to false things, to false stories and ideas, but like expose yourself to like the real stories and hear more people's actual experience. Totally. Totally. So that you realize what's actually going on. 
Yeah. And, and I think it's important to know, to also say like, failure is okay. As long as you're not like collapsing in on yourself because you failed, but like, there have been plenty of times in, in my career where I have messed up or something didn't go to plan or it did bomb pretty hard, something that I was passionate about. But, but those things, A, I think share them. I think the more we can like share that we have messed up and that we have failed at something, the more humble we can be. And the more that we understand that this is normal. And I also think that it helps us see that like, it's, it's okay. You're going to survive it. Failure isn't always bad. It's just like the next step towards something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that one that it's like, it's okay. It's okay to fail. And you said, you said something when we were talking about this earlier too, is just like, just own your failure. Like if you make a mistake, just own it. And the worst thing you can do, I think is like lean into your Mm self-doubt and not take chances and not take, you know, take opportunities that are presented to you and, you know, lead very like with your, you know, just not, not confidently, but you're going to be so much less effective if you do that. And so if you mess up, okay, just own that you messed up and say, I I learned from that. And here's what we're going to do now. Yeah. Yeah. In that same vein, I think it said one of the statistics was that it disproportionately affects high achieving people and perfectionists. And Mm -hmm. so I think I, I've admitted many times that I'm a sick perfectionist and it's terrible and it takes me forever to like do anything because I want it to be perfect. But the other thing that I think we should all start thinking through those high achievers, those perfectionists is that perfect is the enemy of done. Perfect Mm -hmm. is the enemy of like moving the ball forward. And so if you can, if you can just say like, okay, this, I know this isn't perfect. This isn't to the standard that I really have in my mind, but it's done and we can tweak it as we go. I can install it. It's good for now. I think if you can start doing that stuff and just keep the ball moving, it will lessen your feeling of inadequacy because perfect is unattainable. Like I've tried many, many, many times (laughs) to make something perfect. And it just, in that, it has happened zero times, zero yeah. times have I put out something that is just perfect and that needed no, no tweaking and no, no readjustment, you know, like it just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. So like be okay with done for now, instead mm-hmm. of trying to achieve perfect. Cause I think that makes you spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that, so another one that I was thinking of, and this is more for you know, your managers, um, if you're a manager within an organization or, or even above that, like an owner executive, I think one of the first things that we, this is really important for you to know, because the majority of your employees are probably experiencing some level of imposter syndrome at some point in their career. And like Diana said, it's interesting because we, that's true. And yet we're not talking about it or addressing it because we kind of just think of it as like a personal issue of like, well, they just need to get over it. Yeah. Um, but what can employers do? And I think that one of the things that you can do is like right away, like first day on the job, 
that's why onboarding is so important. So something that we recommend and that we do and practice within our own organization is having a conversation with that leader right up front that says, here is our organization and we interviewed all of these people and here's why we chose you for this position. This is what we saw and this is why what we think you're really good at and this is how we're excited for you to start working in our organization what we think that you'll contribute to it. Um, and I think that's one really great way right off the bat when somebody enters into your organization to kind of overcome that imposter syndrome that they might be feeling entering into it. I love that. And then I do think like, keep doing that, right? We have said that it pops up and it happens. So keep, keep being on top of why you hired them and why they're great and why you think they're going to be good for this project or that thing. And mm -hmm. I, I think I, I love that suggestion. That makes, that makes people feel good. It makes people feel good, but then it also is probably going to make them a more high achieving employee. Totally. They're totally. going to be way more engaged because motivated. Yeah, because they have confidence in the job that they are setting out to do and you're continually showing them that they are well equipped for it. Yeah. Um unless they're not, then you need that's another conversation. <laughs> right, right. If they're so, actually not. Yeah. They're actually not. So yeah. so I think that's really cool. Did you have another one? Yeah, I do. So I think people with imposter syndrome find it very hard to accept and celebrate when they actually are successful. I think they diminish their achievements and kind of whitewash them and kind of say like, oh, this was, you know, this was a, an achievement, but really I stumbled into it or I did that as a teamwork thing and it wasn't really me or whatever. And I think we need to take moments to celebrate our success, even if we still aren't feeling great about it, or even if we don't feel like it was truly successful. Mm -hmm. I think you have to stop and say, no, I did move that forward. I did complete yeah. that thing. I did, you know, generate something special or, you know, whatever the, the little achievement is, stop and celebrate it. I think there's I like been many that. times in my career where I have gotten a promotion or I've gotten a raise or something. And I've said like, well, I didn't deserve it yet. I'm going to work towards it. Like, I'm glad mm -hmm. they gave it to me, but like, I don't feel like I deserve it yeah. when I should have been like, heck yeah, that's awesome. And not diminished the accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you could, and that might be just a good practice for, for listeners that if they are feeling this way, if they're feeling some levels of imposter syndrome of like, just reflect on it. Like if you have, if you're the kind of person that's like, pro, you know, process it with another person, great. Or if you're just like, keep a notebook of, yeah. of write those things down. Like when you're feeling that way, because then you can go back in future moments and be like, okay, no, I'm good. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in this position. These are achievements that I've made. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mentor one time that when we met monthly and she could tell that I was very like lacking the confidence part of it and going through this imposter thing. And mm -hmm. for the first 30 minutes of our meeting, I was not allowed to say any way that I had failed. I could only mm -hmm. talk about successes and wins and moving things forward and achievements and accomplishments. Like I could only talk about that for the first 30 minutes of our mm -hmm. meeting. And it really did help me see that like, okay, I actually have enough things that I've done to fill 30 minutes every mm -hmm. month, you mm -hmm. know, and it was, she forced it on me to be intentional about showing up when 
when I was successful and highlighting those things. And I thought it was really good exercise for me personally, because I needed to see those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I was thinking about here too, is just wrecking, like humanizing people too. Mm -hmm. So when you are feeling this way, and there's a room of people that you are feeling inadequate in comparison to, or like you are the imposter in the room. First of all, just remember that everybody has a life outside of work. Yep. <laughs> they are not CEO all of the time in every aspect of their life. Like yep. people yep. have a home life and they have families and they have hobbies and mm -hmm. they wear gym clothes. Like weird, like but it's so true. We yeah. can get really stuck in this mindset of like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know how to relate to this person, but I guess one thing that I would challenge you in is, is remember that, remember those things, and then look for ways to find commonalities with people, especially yeah. that you feel maybe intimidated by being around Yeah, <laughs> and find ways that you have similarities and things like that you, that you, that kind of just humanize them and help you be like, oh, like, and I think that's been good for me too, of, oh, that person is a mom or a dad, like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds so silly, but it's like you have to remember those things, and it it sort of like takes the pressure off a little bit to be like we're all people. We're all yeah, people. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's I think it's really good when you can look at people who are sort of like you in the same role in the same position or higher than you, right? Like those untouchable executives of giant organizations or whatever, and still recognize that like this person. So has bad days. This person doesn't know all the answers. Like I love it when executives and CEOs and, and presidents can say, I don't know. I think it's super great to hear when those people are like, I don't have all the answers. What do you think we should do? I love that stuff because it is humanizing and it makes you realize, oh, these people are just people too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely something that's very cool in our job right, Bethany, like we get to see heads of giant organizations come to us and be like, dude, that meeting was bad. I did a bad job or I messed up and I sent this email when I shouldn't have, or I got sick and I dropped all these balls. Like, it's just so, it's so refreshing to be able to see that. And I don't know that, I don't think most people get to see that side of, of yeah. the world and so I just want everyone out there to know that all of those things happen. Executives mess up all the time. Leaders make mistakes. Like it's just all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for helping us discuss this today. I think it's prevalent. I think it's important information. If you guys have questions or comments or want to know more about this topic or any others, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can get a hold of us in a ton of different ways. You can email us directly at morethanwork@peopleccg.com. We're on all the social media platforms. Our handles are at peoplecCG or at peoplecentric. And you can find us on our website at peoplecentric.com. Please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And we will be back next week with a new topic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time, and in the meantime, lead well.